Good morning. Welcome. Let's take just a moment of quiet to bring some peace and grace into our room and into our hearts and to our souls. worship the living Christ. Please rise as you are able for the call to worship. We gather together. We gather together. We gather together. Come, let us worship. You may be seated. 
Welcome to Westminster. Welcome to worship this morning. It is a joy to be with you. If you're a visitor, a special welcome to you. I invite you after worship out to the patio. We have coffee and tea and snacks and especially a time for conversation and a chance to get to know each other a little better. Let's join together now in our community prayer. It's printed in your bulletin. Let us pray. Holy God, we come to you with all that is on our hearts and minds. We ask for your presence, guidance, and spirit amidst all of it. Thank you for all that we have and all you have brought us through. Grant us your peace which is far more wonderful than we can understand. Guard our hearts and minds as we live in Christ Jesus. Amen. Our prayers continue in quiet. Amen. Friends, know that within every seed of doubt, there is a tree of life and of hope. In those times when our faith falters, when we cannot seem to see the presence of the holy among us, God takes our faith and transforms it, showing us so patiently the many, many ways that Christ walks among us. Know that we are God's children. We are forgiven. We are loved without condition. Thanks be to God. Amen. So today is our birthday blessing Sunday. If you have a birthday in April, or if perhaps you missed a blessing in a previous month, I invite you to come and just stand right here at the front. Is that better? Oh, yes. There we go. So an April birthday, frequently you all have birthdays around Easter, I'm guessing. And I love Easter. We celebrated Easter last week and the joy and the hope and the singing and oh my gosh, it's, it's so wonderful. But then after Easter, at least for me, there's just sort of this feeling, okay, well, well now what do I do? You know, I've celebrated Easter. I should go make some big mark on the world because it's Easter. But sometimes that's hard. Or really any time where we feel like, oh, maybe I need to do this, maybe I need to do that, trying to make a decision, we don't know what to do. Perhaps if we just take a breath and are still for a moment, that is what we need to do. So for the blessing I have to offer you this morning, I want to read you a brief poem. It's called Stay by Jan Richardson. And it really, it's been rolling around in my head in this week following Easter, and I wanted to share it with you and with you. 
So it goes like this. I know how your mind rushes ahead, trying to fathom what could follow this. What will you do? Where will you go? How will you live? For now, hear me when I say all you need to do is to still yourself, is to turn toward one another, is to stay. You cannot know it now, cannot even imagine what lies ahead, but I tell you, the day is coming when breath will fill your lungs as it never has before, and with your own ears you will hear words coming to you, new and startling. You will dream dreams, and you will see the world ablaze with blessing. Wait for it. Still yourself. Stay. So my hope and my prayer for you here on your birthday is you will be able to do that in the midst of a world which can sort of start to swirl around you. Find those moments to still yourself. Find those moments to stay. And then may you see the world ablaze with blessing. Happy birthday to all of you. I'd like to invite any of the kids worshiping with us to come up and join Rob here at the front. All right. Oh, those are some nice ears. I need a pair of ears like that. Fantastic. Where are all the fellas? Come on up, Michael. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's nice to see all of you this morning. Welcome to church. I, I don't know about you, but now that the weather is getting nice, a little bit drier, both outside and in my basement, I've decided to, uh, I've been on a lot of playgrounds lately, okay? Uh, it's been a lot of playground time. Part of that's because I have a son who's four and a half, so he spent a lot of time there. But, you know, once in a while, something happens in the playground that isn't so fun, uh, maybe you're running up the slide after your father has told you 12 to 13 times not to do that. Uh, so I've heard. And, uh, and you slip and fall on that arc that's always there. And then what happens? You get a little like a cut or a scrape or a bruise. Ever happened to any of you before out playing? Yeah? A little injury? Um, not much good about that, is there? Who wants to have a boo-boo on the play? Anybody? Mm-mm. But you know what? I was thinking about it. There might be one sort of bright side to that not-so-fun thing. And that's this. When you scrape your knee or you get a bruise when you fall, it's, uh, it hurts you. But then something happens when one of your friends does the same thing. You go over to them and you say, oh, I know what that's like. Oh, that really hurts, doesn't it? And do you know what? That makes your friend feel better, doesn't it? You haven't 
made the cut go away. You haven't made the bruise heal any sooner. But somehow, just letting them know that you know what it's like and that you're with them makes them feel better. One of the things we trust as Christians is that God knows what it's like to be us. That's a pretty remarkable claim. God knows what it's like to be you. So that's not just in the good times, but in the hard times too. God knows what it's like to be afraid, to hurt, to be uh, lonely. All the feelings you could possibly have, God knows what that's like. And if you take a couple of moments to slow down and stop, you can feel that and remind yourself of that from time to time, and it makes your day go a little better. And it only takes a moment. All you have to do is you have to stop and take two or three breaths. And remember that God knows what it's like to be you. So I want you to try that in the coming days. Can we say a prayer? Dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for the chance to play. Thank you for being with us when we fall down and get hurt. Help us to be with other people when they fall down and get hurt. Amen. And do we have instructions about where they go? Right in the Finley Hall. Go now in peace. Go now Well, again, it's a joy to have everybody here in worship as we are in this Easter season. Easter is not just a Sunday, it is a season in the church. One of the ways we share that joy and we share each other's pain is by uh, offering up prayer joys and concerns so that we can be in prayer for one another and we can come alongside one another. So if you have a joy or uh, uh, a concern to share in a moment, I'll invite you to do so. Uh, I have uh, a couple I'd like to lift up as well. Uh, Phil and Nancy Placer are here. Where are you? Right up front. Many of you may remember them. Um, You were members how long ago? 43 years, yeah, so some time back they are now members at, Laf- at Lafayette Arinda Pres, but are back to visit today, and we're so glad to see you. Uh, what a treat. Um, others to share. Yeah, Joe, please. Thank you, Joe. If if you couldn't hear, uh, Joe's husband, Steve, has pancreatic cancer. Um, It has spread to the liver. Uh, So at this point, they're not um, working with curative treatment. Um, So it's going to be a tough journey for them. And so they welcome your prayers and um, cards and other ways of contact. Others? Anyone else? Yeah, Ruthie and then Randy. Oh, 
Oh, great. Yes, uh, Ruthie's fiancé is going to be in Ireland for a month doing some work on his next book. So, um, Traveling Mercies, prayer, prayers that the airline experience is a good one, uh, and that the writing experience is a better one. Yeah. Randy. Thank you, Randy. Uh, Randy and Sue just want to offer their thanks to this congregation for your loving support um, through the death of their son, Dylan. I'm glad to see you here. Anyone else? Yeah, please, Tila, and then Bill. Absolutely. Thank you, Tila. This is for Brad Warga's um, father died recently, and they had a wonderful funeral service celebration, but prayers for um, the partner he leaves behind, his wife. And uh, that's when things sometimes get difficult. It's, an, it's not immediately after. It's, it's after all the attention goes away. So ongoing prayers for you all. Bill. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Bill uh, offers prayers of joy for his brother Miles, who is a month removed from a double knee replacement. Yeah. Yeah. I know you all join me as well in, in prayers for our country. It's a time of lots of demonstrations and and uh, sentiments, and we just um, hold one another, even in our distinctiveness, in prayer and prayer of the well-being of this land. I want to do something a little special now, and that's invite Nancy Walsh forward. Where's Nancy? In this society, people, it's a, it's, a, it's a mobile world, and people come and go and are with us for some time and then move on. And when we catch that, we try to honor that and worship and pray for people and wish them well. Nancy Walsh has been a longtime member of this congregation. When did you join? Nineteen ninety-eight was when Nancy joined. She's been uh, very involved in Presbyterian churches wherever she's lived. Clerked at a number of them. She was our clerk of session uh, for over a decade, uh, keeping our official records, attending all those <clears throat> enlivening meetings. <laughs> and one of the things a clerk does is they keep the official membership records. They're in these old leather books, and they write. Your names in, and I guess what I most want to say to you, Nancy, as you go from here, um, and I'll say a little bit about where you're going in a moment, but as you go from here, that you would remember that your name is always in our book, and, and more importantly, in our hearts, and we will miss you, and we're grateful for your time and service here. Um, Nancy is moving to Texas. Um, 
where uh, her daughter Annie will have a, a good, suitable living situation, and then you can be close to two of your children. So this is a joyful move in many ways for you. Um, and so we will try to be happy for you, even as um, we're sad to see you go. Well, it'll, I'm sad at least, because I love uh, this area, I love this church. And I've been here a long time now, in my church home. Yeah. And uh, so I will miss all of you. And I've got something for you. I went to General Assembly. And as a commissioner in June, and one of the things they gave us was a hymnal with the seal on the front. And I want to give that to Westminster. And I signed it. And it says, to Westminster, my church home for over 19 years. Somehow I think we're supposed to be giving you the gift. <laughs> Thank you so much. Jane, Jane's waving at me. Go ahead. Thank you, Jane. Let's say a prayer together. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for your faithful child, Nancy, and for the time that you've blessed this congregation with her. We pray God's speed as she goes from this place for her entire family, for this new chapter that's upon them. We pray your blessings for that transition and for a new home and a new church community. God, we know that you watch our comings and goings. And as our sharing attests, life is full of them, some expected and joyful, some sudden and unwanted. So pull us together as a community of people seeking faith, that we might love one another in the image that your son Jesus Christ modeled for us so beautifully. We pray these things, we pray all things in his name, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. As our musicians get ready, another joy neglected to mention is welcoming Jeff Shankle into the pulpit today. Um, as you all know, Jeff is our, our youth director. Um, but in his previous church, which is associated with the American um, Baptist tradition, Jeff essentially served in a pastoral role. So he is not new to the pulpit, but he's new to ours. And I know he's been eager to get up here, and we're eager to hear you. So thank you for bringing uh, a word this morning. We look forward to it. Please.
That was beautiful, thank you. The first scripture reading comes from Psalm 16. I dedicate this to Phil, because as a lector for the first time, I do not see him there. Song of trust and security in God. Protect me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no God apart from you. As for the holy ones in the land, they are noble in whom is all my delight. Those who choose another God multiply their sorrows. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names upon my lips. The Lord is my chosen potion and my cup. You hold my lot. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a goodly heritage. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night Also, my heart instructs me. I keep the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my soul rejoices. My body also rests secure. For you do do not give me up to Sheol or let your faithful one see the pit. You show me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. From the Gospel of John, when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. 
But Thomas, who is called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails in my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other things, many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. It's interesting to me that Jesus said, greets them by saying, peace be with you. And he does this uh, three times. And that's kind of out of character for him. He doesn't normally greet someone, peace be unto you. He actually never says that phrase. But he says it three times. And the only three times he ever says it is recorded in this gospel. Out of the all, all other four gospels, this is the only time we see him say this. It doesn't mean that he doesn't wish peace on people. But in this instance, he keeps saying, peace be unto you. And the question is, why is that, really? And I think the answer to that starts at a place called the Red Hot Chili Pepper in San Carlos, California. My wife, Jen, she has two sisters, and uh, they're three brothers-in-law. Well, two brothers-in-law, and myself included. And we would go out to eat from time to time, and we enjoy adventurous eating. Uh, And the Red Hot Chili Pepper uh, is an Indian-Chinese fusion Uh, place close to where my office used to be and so we met there after work one day and they have something on the item that was really exciting for us now we had you may have seen menus have the sort of three pepper system where one next to the mild two means medium three means hot and so we ordered a couple twos and a three blew us away so we thought okay well we can do this we're gonna order the devil's chicken, which should have been our first warning. It had contained in it the ghost pepper, which if you didn't know, was considered to be the hottest pepper on earth. It was graded at 1,041,417 Scoville units. You might be wondering, what in the world is a Scoville unit? There is an actual metric for judging uh, the spiciness of a pepper. For instance, a nectarine has zero. A jalapeno has 10,000, and a habanero pepper has 350,000. And a reminder, the ghost pepper is over a million. It is nearly three times the spiciness of a habanero pepper. And for some reason, we are that brilliant of people that we thought this sounds really exciting and delicious. (laughs) So we order this thing, and of course they bring us a waiver to fill out, each of us individually. And on the waiver, it mentions things like you may experience nausea, frequent hiccups, which I thought was really funny, uh, dizziness, numbness. 
And of course, the thing you see on so many other waivers, death. <laughs> this is how we seek thrills, the three of us. P some people want to go bungee jumping, some go skydiving. We eat curry. This is how we want to embrace life and death situations. It comes in a little platter with chicken and I imagine some vegetables that were disintegrating under the power of the heat. And I get a bite, we each get a little piece of chicken. I get a piece about the size of your thumb and I put it in my mouth. And I have to tell you, I have never felt pain like that in my entire life. There wasn't just sweat coming out of my pores. I think sweat emitted from my hair. Like, it was as if my finger and toenails had turned into radioactive meters and rocketed out of my body like fireballs. I just wonder, has anyone ever eaten a ghost pepper that's in here in any shape or form? It's just like the 8.30, wise people, let me tell you, not as dumb as I am. The pain was completely indescribable. I have never felt anything like that in my entire life. The ghost pepper is uh, this incredibly powerful thing that changes the way you live, and you can really split humanity into two groups of people, the ghost pepper eaters and the non-ghost pepper eaters. Anyway, Rob didn't ask me to preach just to tell you that story. So, <laughs> at least I don't think so. But... <laughs> There's something uh, psychologists have to say about this. There's a term that they use. It's called the empathy gap. It's this idea that as humans, we long for connection and relationships and friendships, some of us more than others. Some of us are introverted and extroverted, but at our core, it's what has kept us going as a species even, that we have found ways to work together and find communion and community with one another. But this empathy gap teaches us something that when people have shared life experiences, it brings them closer together. And particularly when you have shared trials and shared sufferings, it brings you even closer together. My brother is, was at one time a drill sergeant in the U.S. Army, and he can tell you that many people would come under his command and they would leave, not knowing each other, but they would leave being the closest friends they ever had. And it's interesting to me because... Jesus shows up in this situation with his disciples. And it's the second Sunday of Easter. You might not have known that there are multiple Sundays of Easter. That doesn't mean you have to rush and make brunch reservations or get a new egg hunt together. It does mean there's a second Sunday of Easter, which means that really just within the last couple weeks, these disciples had seen some things that must have shaken them. Their leader, their rabbi, their teacher, and their friend had been arrested, mocked, ridiculed, humiliated, and tortured to death. If you're anything like me, and if they were, then I would have thought, I could be next. It's a wonder they were hiding. Because you don't confront systems of injustice and corruption and not pay some cost. Any teenager who has dealt with bullying can tell you that. And yet Jesus comes into this room, and his message to them three times is peace be with you and I have to think it means a little more coming from him you know a lot of people have tried to encourage Jen and I in our parenting when they see our children running around being crazy little two-year-old twin boys that they are and they say to us things like you know it gets better and frankly we don't always believe you 
because you only have one. <laughs> but I have friends, Shay and Sandy Morgan, who uh, live and work in Marin also, and they have twin four-year-old boys, and we had, they also have a, an older daughter, but we had the, the four boys together all playing together, and they were all, I was seeing how their kids are kind of wild and crazy like mine, and Sandy looks at soul, our children, and she says, looking at your kids just reminds me how far we've come. <laughs> and I just thought, I, I said, what's that supposed to be? <laughs> and she said, well, I'm just remembering how crazy it was when ours were your age, and I just want to tell you that it gets better. And for the first time in my life, I believed her. I believed that. There's a person who's done a lot of uh, research on this topic, and his name's Emile Bruno. I want to introduce you. He's a MIT scientist and researcher, and he spent really the, his entire little more than 10-year career studying this thing of an empathy gap, is what he calls it, that I'm kind of stealing the term. Other psychologists have other words, but that seems to be the one that most people have settled on. And really in his career, MIT being in Boston... So it wasn't a massive sample size. It's not something we can draw huge conclusions from, but it's something that has spurred a lot of research. He brought together as many Palestinian and Israeli people as he could find in that area. And through different brain scans and imaging, they could see the biases that people had towards each other. But then something interesting happened. He had them read stories of the other side suffering and they found that the same part of the brain, it's something like medial percuis or something, I'm not a brain scholar, but it's this particular region of the brain would light up when they would read these stories of someone else's suffering from the other side of this conflict. And it was the same part of the brain that would light up as if they had experienced it firsthand. In other words, if I was in a terrible auto accident and I was retelling that story, a part of my brain would light up. And if you were telling me the story of your auto accident, that same part of my brain would light up. It's, it's fascinating to me how our shared suffering creates this ability to make connections and maybe open ourselves to be a little vulnerable to healing and encouragement and peace that we might not have been as open to before. It's funny, when I was in college, I, I learned this uh, when I was studying, you know, I'm taking classes on theology and ministry and counseling and all this, and, and I had a number of people uh, I lost at that time for different reasons, but the one that really uh, affected me the most was when my father died my freshman year. And I remember people trying to encourage me and my classmates and my professors, and sometimes I would recognize that they were doing exactly what they had been taught to do, but I just didn't care. It didn't make me feel really any better. But there were a few people that had, would just kind of spend more time with me and just hang out with me and, and kind of create, as I look back on it, kind of create this solidarity with me. And what was fascinating is that many of them had experienced trials. They had lost someone close to them. It's funny that 
It's one of the major paradoxes of life that our pain and our struggle and our scars can actually lead to a great amount of encouragement and enlightenment in other people. For example, I was at the uh, walk to end Alzheimer's several years ago. My wife was working for the Alzheimer's Association at the time. And this is when it was uh, the memory walk on Treasure Island. And I remember going thinking, okay, I've been to these kind of charity events. People are here for really one of two reasons, or maybe both, sort of my cynical mind at work. You know, they're here either to fulfill their fundraising uh, needs, or they're here because they want to get some exercise. But I was so amazed by just the atmosphere of healing that was on that island that day. Total strangers were sharing with each other their stories and their struggles and their heartache of having loved ones, family members, and friends and even caregivers who worked for people in nursing homes, all sharing these stories. It completely blew me away. And I was just an observer to this because people would come and ask me, or I would ask them, and I would hear their story, and I would just be moved, and they would say, so who do you know that's uh, had Alzheimer's? And I would say, actually, no one. I don't know anybody. And so then the natural follow-up was, why, why are you here? And I would just say, well, you see that brilliant, beautiful woman right there? I'm here because of her. <laughs> I just had to embarrass her again on a Sunday. <laughs> it was such a moving event to be a part of for that reason. People were just so full of hope and encouragement that I've never seen when people that have dealt with this, because I've been to people's bedsides that are in Alzheimer's, I've been in people's homes where someone there suffered from the disease. It was incredible to me how that worked. What kind, of, and what kind of scars do you have? Is it financial struggles that you've had to deal with in your life? Self-image, depression? Maybe some bitter or harsh breakup loved ones in your life? Is it doubt? I mean, don't think for a minute that just because we're in a church, people don't doubt. <laughs> I like to tell people that, you know, they let me work here and I doubt all the time. <laughs> but it is a true paradox that those things mean something to the rest of us who struggle with it as well. Jesus shows up in this room with his scars on full display saying, peace be unto you. And I have to imagine that means more to them than when someone who hasn't really struggled tries to encourage him as well. I would assume that other people tried to encourage the disciples, maybe Mary, maybe Lazarus, different people who knew them tried to encourage them as well. But there they were hidden in this room. Going back to Bruno, he had a very interesting observation about this, I think a very important one. He said, you know, you can show people videos and have them read stories of people who have su suffered similar life trials that you have. And yeah, it lights up different, the same part of your brain waves as if it had happened to you. But that doesn't necessarily make you empathetic. It's what you do with that information is what really matters. I have to believe that this moment in Jesus and the disciples' life is recorded in the Holy Scriptures not so that we can just read it and have some sort of concern for Jesus' pain and suffering. I have to imagine that it's written there 
so that we can do as the disciples did and unshackle ourselves of all the doubt and pessimism and fear and anxiety that keeps us from living out the life that God calls us to live. You know, some people, we, and myself included, we get sort of deceived into thinking that peace is the absence of conflict or the absence of war, and that's not really true. Peace is having the stillness and confidence in even the most dangerous or harsh situations. If I asked you if you thought Jesus was full of peace, I would imagine most of us would say yes. But this was not somebody that lived an easy life. He had quarrels with his family, people mocked him, his friends left him. He was dealing with conflict all the time, but yet full of peace. And here his disciples are about to go out into the world facing a similar set of circumstances that he had. And his message to them is, peace be unto you. One of the things I love about John's gospel, and you might have picked it up in the last verse, is he says, he tells you why he's writing it. This is different from the other, all the other writings of the Bible, really. He says, I'm writing this so that you, in so many words, so that you understand that Jesus is the Messiah, the living God, and that you would sort of live in understanding of that. He writes this story for us. He recollects it for us. Again, so that we, so that Jesus can bridge this sort of gap of empathy that we have in the pains and struggles in our life. And that we can live full of compassion and grace and love and self-control in the face of all injustice and pain and suffering in this world. Just in the same way that Jesus did. And by God's grace, we will. Amen.
may be seated. As we go from this place, I want to draw your attention to some of what's going on in the life of this beloved community. I'm well aware that in certain seasons of life, it feels as though it's all you can do to get here on a Sunday, and even at that, once or twice a month. But Sunday isn't enough to feel really a part of a community. So if you can find it within you and if you're seeking a deeper connection, I really encourage you uh, to plug in, whether it's through serving the rest shelter or doing meals during the week or coming to a class or a different affinity group. Uh, That's where the connections become deepest and real and that's where uh, your knowledge and wisdom grows as well. So this week, like every week, please take a moment to read through what's in the bulletin Uh, to see something that sparks something in you, and to just take that extra step to show up and try things out so that your connection to this community can can deepen uh, and your faith in ours as well. And with that, I'll invite us uh, to stand as we're able for our closing hymn, which is number 
thank you for your tentativeness and for allowing me to share some parts of my heart with you. When we walk away from this place, may you leave with the peace of Christ that transcends all understanding, embracing all the scars of your life, those that come, those that have happened, and those in the lives of others. Amen.